American National is proud to support No Ceiling, helping to tell the stories of professional women. American National is dedicated to providing paths for leadership and advancement through the Women's Forum, a group of female leaders who provide encouragement, mentorship, and advocacy for American National female employees. With four corporate locations in Galveston and League City, Texas, Albany, New York, and Springfield, Missouri, the opportunities for leadership advancement are vast. American National believes taking care of business starts with taking care of its employees. It's kind of interesting to run an organization that is partial, just your like hobby of what you're interested in anyway, because anybody that knows me well knows you can get me talking about robots and AI and I'll talk your ears off forever, you know, but it's also partially just my own personal struggles and wanting to be an outlet for people going through those things as well, you know, um, to have to have a resource, you know, of a way out. Today's guest is Krista Perger. She's the president and co-founder of the Geek Foundation, a revamped idea on school that's accelerating graduates into the technology workforce in just six short months. And there's no cost to students. Krista was inspired to start the nonprofit after running into barriers herself getting into the industry. She was a single mom who struggled with poverty and the thought of years in college seemed out of reach. Today, she's partnered with companies like O'Reilly Automotive, Jack Henry, and Pitt Technology Group, and has a vision for taking the Geek Foundation nationwide. From SBJ Podcasts, I'm Christine Temple, and this is No Ceiling, a show that goes in-depth with local women, sharing their journey to the top of their professions and the challenges and triumphs they faced along the way. They're rewriting the script on success, and there's no ceiling. So you are on a mission to bring accessibility and more opportunities to the tech industry through the nonprofit that you founded. Uh, Tell me a little bit more about the barriers that you saw in technology that you wanted to face head on with this nonprofit. Yeah, I mean, so we hear a lot in the tech industry about the gatekeeper mentality, you know, about like how hard it is to get into the tech industry, you know, for minorities and women and things because it's a primarily white male dominated career industry right now. Um, you know, and, and that was kind of what I experienced a lot when I started like really researching the tech industry, like back in 2009 was, you know, cause I was trying to get into it myself. I grew up like as a girl who, you know, was, technically what you call, I guess, a geek girl, you uh-huh. know, um, that I read comics and played video games and, you know, like traditionally, I guess, boy stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted to get into the field myself, but I, you know, growing up as a girl in the 80s, you know, just didn't have like role models to say, hey, you love science and hey, you love video games and, you know, all that stuff. Like you should, you know, try to go work for NASA or, you know, um, get into, you know, computers or something. Um so I, I really kind of um, started studying the tech industry in 2009 after dating a computer programmer and seeing his work and like being fascinated by it, you know, because I, I, I was a mathlete as a kid and I was like in high school, I studied uh, through Spanish 5, which I equate uh, learning web development and computer programming language is kind of like learning a foreign language. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, because it really kind of is you're learning a foreign language. You learn this foreign language that you can learn how to essentially speak and you input it into, you know, a computer program and, you know, make websites or whatever with it, make robots work or, 
you know, whatever. And so I saw his like work cause he would bring his laptop over and I really wanted to get into the industry myself. And back then there weren't as many conversations about creating diversity in the field. So I did get met with that gatekeeper mentality a lot, mm-hmm. you know, of like, oh, it's too hard. Or if you haven't been doing it your whole life, or, you know, if you're not a genius, like, mm-hmm. I mean, we've heard all of them, you know, and, um, you know, so like after studying the industry, you know, for a while, I, I started really kind of like pushing back on that and saying like, but why, you know, like why, mm. why? I mean, because like learning it myself and, and seeking out how to learn it myself, I was finding like, it really isn't that difficult to learn, you know, um, it's a lot of work and stuff, but it's not like that difficult to get access to you to learn, but just, you know, now, that bigger companies too, like Google and Microsoft and Tesla even, are pushing initiatives to create uh, more diversity in their tech spaces. Um, now we, it's more of a of a platform, right. you know, that, that a lot of people are trying to create. Right. And you know, part of I think why diversity and the access is so important is because of the workforce that's needed yeah. to fill all of these technology jobs that are yeah. coming online that are not just at tech specific companies. Like Absolutely. it's it's growing. So yeah. I mean, what are the ways that you are um, eliminating those barriers? How does the Geek Foundation get people into tech? Yeah, we specifically you try to recruit through like nonprofits that represent women or nonprofits that represent uh, minorities or, you know, working with companies that um, also are seeing like a lack of diversity in their employees, you know. Um, so like our first round of classes, for example, we recruited through the Drew Lewis Foundation, which is a local nonprofit that works with a lot of single mothers. Um, and then also with Single Moms Rock, which is a, a part of Victory Mission. Um, and then like minorities in business, you know, so we specifically specifically try to recruit through those like means of accessing students that you know um are fit our demographic you know um so how does it actually work for people to get enrolled because this isn't like a traditional four-year college the geek foundation or even a two-year what do the courses look like yeah it's a pretty simplistic process to enroll like i mean really it's you know kind of um we have like a sign up enrollment sheet and I do interviews with each person to kind of talk to them about what the classes look like, you know, and like, you know, also to like dispel any anxieties or anything that, you know, like women might have or minorities might have coming into these programs and like what it would be like working in the tech industry. Um, but yeah, our classes are very different. They're six months long, you know, so they're like, you know, a lot of information to learn in a very short amount of time. Um, so they're essentially more like a boot camp, you know, program. But um, they're two hours per night and two two nights per week. And then we have like a little bit of like at home study, depending on what class that you have. But I mean, it's tailored to meet the needs to like get into entry level positions. So like I've done a lot of work, like talking to employers to see exactly what they would need or want in a pos- person coming in to apply for these positions. Um, so that's why we're able to kind of do it in this like short amount of time is because we're able to tailor it directly to job placement Mm. you know so um they're pretty quick courses but you know upon completion of the course if you're taking the um, a plus certification class you have the opportunity to test for the certification and get that and with web development you have the opportunity to kind of you know grow directly into job placement as well and both of them like we had several students actually uh, that graduated from our first round of classes that hadn't even graduated yet and already got jobs mm-hmm. so it was pretty incredible yeah 
What does your uh, placement rate look like and how many graduates have you had? From our first round of classes, which graduated the week of Thanksgiving, actually, um, we had 60% of students already get jobs or be in the process of interviewing in positions as well. Um, but 60% of them were already in jobs. Uh, two of them went directly into job placement from Pitt Technology Group. Um, they're one of our partnered uh, employers who chose two interns, one from each uh, class. And then, um, like I said, two students already got jobs before they uh you know, had graduated. So we had a really great success rate of, of students getting jobs. The second round of classes, which is currently going, is pretty exciting for us as well because we have some new employers that have signed on with us um, that we were able to recently kind of partner with O'Reilly and Jack Henry for job placement and as well um, in their internship and apprenticeship programs. And then our third round of classes, an exciting, really exciting new program because we were able to partner with the Department of Labor to start apprenticeship programs, so registered apprenticeships. So our students will have even more opportunities for employment uh, post-graduation of our new classes that are starting up too. And what I love about it too is that it's, it's a problem that you face personally. So you were trying to get into this industry and get education and face barriers. And then you thought of this idea like, okay, how do I fix this for myself? And how do I fix it for others? Like tell, how did the formation of the nonprofit start? Because you've been working on this for quite a bit of time. Yeah. Um, partial interest, partial stubbornness, I suppose. (laughs) I mean, a lot of it was just, you know, like being told that, you couldn't, you know, and and it was like, oh, it's too hard. And I kept hearing that. I kept hearing, oh, it's too hard. Or if you haven't been tinkering with stuff your whole life. And I'm thinking like, okay, I may be the oldest like child, but in my family, like I was, I was the like person my dad would come to and be like, why don't you set up the VCR? Or why don't you, you know, do all this stuff? Cause I did like electronics and I did like tech and I was in math Olympics, you know, as a kid and I was mm-hmm. a video gamer. And so I just remember thinking that was like so weird to like hear oh, it's too hard, you know? And I'm like, okay, now I'm just determined and stubborn. (laughs) So I kind of just started studying the industry, you know? And then like in 2011 and 2012 as well, I was watching, you know, organizations like Girls Who Code and Women Who Code develop. And I just remember thinking even back then, like we have like a really actually big tech industry in Springfield. People just don't think of it as a tech industry because they don't think of O'Reilly as being a tech company. They think of it as automotive, you know, or Jack Henry or Expedia, you know, Bass Pro. And all of those have huge tech departments. I mean, like enormous tech departments, so much so that like, and they're so desperate for employees, like that they can't even take their job postings down, you know, because they're just such a lack of development. So, you know, I kind of really started to change the dynamic, like shift the question from like, how do I get involved to like, would you hire people that don't have a traditional four-year degree? And then the dynamic changed, you know, and people started like being like, oh yes, actually we would because we, you know, we really need people so badly Mm -hmm. that if they could just pass our technical exams, you know, we'd be able to, to hire them on. So I started, you know, just throughout that time, like I would spend time and I still do like just randomly researching companies online all over the world, you know, just to see like, and I've learned like almost every single company is looking for some sort of like developer or IT person, you know, or whatever. Um, But the IT industry and the tech industry itself can be a really daunting industry to get into just because it's so like, it's so confusing. So part of my interest was not only 
creating jobs, but also like, you know, breaking down the barriers of understanding of what tech is and what it looks like, you know, and so many people are like, so afraid of like, you know, when we talk about tech, we're like, oh, the future, you know, and like, what's that going to look like? And, you know, could it be scary? And like, that's actually part of my interest even more so than anything else is like getting people to understand the value of tech, you know, and how that can help us grow and move forward. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I was just able to kind of like spend a lot of time talking to people, you know, and asking like, you know, how can we get more people involved? How, how can we do this? And so in uh, 2015, um, I had some medical issues that happened that gave me some time to actually like sit down and say like, well, I can't work a traditional job now, you know, so what am I going to do with my time? You know, and I'm like, well, I've been researching all of this stuff for a long time, you know, so I was like, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to start the school up. So I started like talking to people locally in the tech industry even more, you know, and saying like, hey, if I started a school up, would you take these people on, you know, and everyone kept was like just so responsive and was so like, um, you know, they were just so excited about it. They were like, yes. And I actually met a um, met up with a friend of mine uh, to talk to him. He was a developer at a local company. He's like, you should meet my uh, coworker, Miranda Provance, um, because she, I think, would be really supportive of what you're wanting to do as well and may want to jump on and like help out with you. So I met up with her like for a drink at like Pat and Alley Pub. And we hit it off immediately and we're both just like, yep, let's do this, you know, and I think like within a week we had, you know, planned out and like signed up to be a 501c3 and made a name, you know, and all this stuff. And we've had a lot of, you know, really great supportive people in the beginning to kind of help us get started that were so supportive of, of what we wanted to do. And she came from an interesting background, you know, because she is a developer currently as well. And she was interested because she was the only girl in her graduating class. She does have a traditional like four-year degree and was the only girl in her gra- in her graduating class until her senior year, you know. So uh, she has a little bit different of a background in the sense that she did go the traditional college route. And I went the tr- like the like, well, I'm going to try to teach myself, you know, and I did try to go to college. And uh, at the time, like I was wanting to be a web developer because I'm definitely a creative type. And I was like, I want to design websites. And I tried to go to college and uh, there was no like specific program for it. So they were like, I don't know, maybe take a graphic design degree and then graduate from that and take a couple of years of programming classes. And I'm like, what? that's like six plus years of college, maybe, you know, yeah. as a single mom. Um, and I was like, no, that that seems crazy. So I remember just feeling even kind of discouraged by that, you know, because I'm like, well, if it's that hard for me. How hard is it for other people that want to get in this industry? What are the the demographics of the students within your classes? Uh, Because you're also reaching, in addition to the um, diversity that you're trying to bring, Mm -hmm. you're also trying to make this an opportunity to lift people up into a career. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's, It's my belief that you can't get out of poverty if you can't afford to get out of poverty Mm. so that's why our classes are free um and with that like our demographics are kind of you know we take any age for our adult classes like 18 and up as long as you're able to go into the workforce um but you know we do have like guidelines in the sense that like 
you know, we're trying to recruit women or minority populations or low income individuals. So, you know, we're trying to stay in those income thresholds if you're not a minority population. So like we use federal poverty guidelines, you know, for a a mix for that. But because of that, because we're kind of like so diverse, even within that, we have people of all kinds of different backgrounds. Some people that are just looking for a career change, some people that are just interested in tech, you know, and what that could mean for them. Some people that were displaced because of COVID, you know, um, as well and don't have jobs now. you know, it's been it's been pretty interesting to see how different it's been with each round of classes. You know, especially through COVID, because we started our classes, we started these workforce de- development classes at the beginning of COVID. Where did you, uh, or how did you develop the traits that are kind of made creating the Geek Foundation possible, which is like stubbornness and like wanting to find a solution? <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Um, I don't know, you know, probably past relationships, you know, is a bit of the mixture and like Mm. also just being the oldest maybe, you know, in my family. Um, You know, I kind of, I, I can sympathize a lot with the mission because of things that I've experienced, you know, in my life. Like, I mean, my family, I didn't come from money, you Mm -hmm. know, my family, um, you know, tried to provide for us as much as possible, but like my parents were divorced when I was, you know, real little and um, remarried, you know, and I had split households and, you know, I went to, um, Glendale High School here in town, you know, so, um, had a good education and stuff, but, you know, kind of after moving out, you know, experienced some, you know, hardships myself, you know, um, so I, you know, kind of remember, you know, living pretty rough, you know, at some times in my life. I remember I was so broke, you know, at a point in time, I was just eating $1.25 Taco Bell bean burritos for a while, you know, and, um, you know, so, I mean, I can, some of that stubbornness probably comes from, you know, just being able to, like, see what it's like, you know, to struggle, um, and also just from, yes, from probably being, you know, told no a lot or having, you know, negative relationships in my past, you know, as well. What did, I mean, sounds like part of the, your experiences taught you, you know, gave you some strength and resilience, like mm-hmm. to think of where you are now from from those really dark moments, it sounds like. What, yeah. I mean, what did you learn about, um, about poverty in general, people living in poverty, um, there's there's just so much misconceptions, I feel like, and so much uh, blame and judgment that comes in those areas. Yeah. Um, what, what did that teach you? Um, what should people know about living in that situation? Yeah, to be more sympathetic, you know, to people for sure. Um, because a lot of times, you know, poverty cycles are, are cyclical. I mean, it, it mm. a lot of times can be like, you know, um, familial, you know, so, um, you know, it's, it's hard for people, like I said, to break out of those cycles of poverty if there's no means to like accessible or affordable education, you know, or if there's nobody like telling them that they can, you know, um, I, I tend to be probably a little bit more of a bleeding heart, you know, in the sense that like maybe because of the things that I've experienced myself and the situations I've been through, um, you know, I tend to try to like not make snap judgments about people because you can understand that that you know maybe that's all they knew you know or maybe that's what they've grown up with or 
you know, whatever it may be. I mean, there's, there's a lot of long conversations that you can go into, you know, about that, that stuff. But just from my own experiences, from things that I've been through and people that I've been involved with through my life and stuff, a lot of those experiences were like cycles of, of poverty and domestic violence and things like that were in families, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I experienced some of those myself. And because of those things that I've gone through, you know, and health conditions that I've that I've faced, you know, as well. Um, it's really important for me to have this this education platform that not only creates an outlet for people that need it the most, but that it can be affordable and um, you know a way that they can they can really succeed. You know, which is why like during the classes it's also like we pay for daycare you know on site mm-hmm. as well um, we provide all the textbooks all the equipment um, for our IT classes we provide the computers and stuff needed for labs um, we provide laptops if people need them I mean we really try to to break down any barriers that there might be at all for students to succeed because I know for me when I was going through those rough times like I didn't know what I wanted to do just yet, and I felt very lost, but I felt like, well, there's no way I can afford to go to college, you know, and I don't even know what I want to do if I go to college, so I don't want to waste a bunch of money and then have a bunch of student debt, Mm -hmm. you know, if I don't even know what I want to do yet, Right. you know, Um, and I think a lot of people do wind up taking that route of like, well, I should just go to college and do something and pick something and then wind up getting into fields that don't have you know, um, a lot of employment opportunities, you know, or whatever. And then people spend the rest of their lives in debt trying to pay off college educations, you know. So it was important to me to not, like, jump the gun into it as well if I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. But it was also, you know, it felt like it was also going to be hard to do that anyway if I was already struggling, you know. So I, you know, that's why the Geek Foundation exists, you know, mm-hmm. is to 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 be that resource for people. And within the the students, I mean, you your story perhaps mirrors some of the lived experiences of your students, maybe even their lived experiences in that moment. Yeah. What what kind of an impact does that create when you make that connection and they see where you are and they can see themselves there possibly? Yeah, I mean, I've had some conversations with with students about that. For example, we had a we had a student in class last year, uh, this last round of classes. I'm sorry that had uh, signed up for the class, you know, and was really excited to be a part of it because she had been a domestic violence uh, survivor and was just trying to create a new way. Um, you know, to create a new life. And that was part of one of the reasons why I wanted to start this program as well is because I I myself have, have been there before and I can remember feeling like um, there was no way out, you know. And I think a lot of domestic violence survivors stay trapped in those relationships for so long because they don't feel like there's a way out you know they can't afford to live on their own um so the tech industry and my interest in the tech industry is partial you know just my own experiences and my own interests but and also just you know an interest in the tech industry in general because 
it's it's such a valuable career industry because there'll never be like a cap on jobs like mm-hmm. there might be in healthcare you know mm-hmm. or other industries where you know you send a lot of students through for the same thing and then it becomes too competitive and then the pay rate goes down like that's never going to happen in tech like <laughs> i mean there's always going to be like new robotics programs and new languages developed and yeah. new levels of languages and i mean just and especially with the way that we're moving forward with, you know, artificial intelligence and robotics mm-hmm. and uh, even quantum computing now, um, you know, so it, it's kind of interesting to run an organization that is partial, just your like hobby of what you're interested <laughs> in anyway, because anybody that knows me well knows you can get me talking about robots and AI and I'll talk your ears off forever, you know, <laughs> but it's also partially just my own personal struggles and wanting to be an outlet for people going through those things as well, Mm -hmm. you know, um, to have, to have a resource, you know, of a way out. When we come back, Krista talks about the pay opportunities in technology and why targeting a diverse workforce is critical for eliminating inequities in tech products. Support for this podcast is provided by American National Insurance. We'll be right back. Financial success? It's not just about money. It's knowing how to make the most of it. It helps to have your own banking expert who can offer guidance, new ideas, and smart solutions. At Great Southern Bank, you'll find that expertise along with a full-service team to handle all your personal and business banking needs. Learn what we can do for you at greatsouthernbank.com. Ranked a Forbes 2020 World's Best Bank by our customers. Thank you. Member FDIC. Springfield Business Journal has been the business authority for over 40 years. SBJ strives to provide the most relevant, timely, and accurate business news you need to make important decisions. Locally owned and operated, Springfield Business Journal helps businesses market themselves to other businesses. Since 75% of the readers are the owner, GM, or VP at the business, SBJ helps your business influence decision makers when it matters most. If you need to raise your profile when businesses are considering your category of service, make sure you are differentiating yourself by using the Springfield Business Journal. What is the possibility as far as in tech in in this area for someone to get a job? I mean, like, can you quantify how many jobs are available, how many companies, and then like, what's the um, pay that people are looking at? All I can say for jobs available is a lot. A lot. (laughs) A lot. Yeah, it would be hard for me to, like, figure out exactly how many positions are open, especially because we have those, like, huge, you know, corporate headquarters here of O'Reilly and Jack Henry Expedia. Um, You've got Bass Pro. You've got Cox Health, which has a big tech hiring department. You've got... Um, I mean, geez, we have a lot. We have a lot of companies. So there's a lot. There's a lot of employment opportunities. Um, The pay scale is really great for Springfield. I mean, entry-level positions at somewhere like Jack Henry, you know, or O'Reilly start off, you know, for web developers, like 50 to 75,000 a year. Um, IT is generally, you know, from somewhere from 35 to 60 um, starting out. So, I mean, if you take somebody who's coming in, you know, at federal federal poverty guidelines of, you know, one person making 12,000 a year to getting, you know, into a 50,000 a wow. year, that's life-changing, you know? I mean, um, and with that, like, you know, kind of talking back about, the, like, the ways that we try to create, you know, things so that there's no barriers, um, 
and partnering, you know, with other organizations as well and working to recruit members is like doing things like uh, partnering with the Drew Lewis Foundation for their like financial planning and budgeting courses. Mm -hmm. So like our new classes moving forward will contain those financial planning and budgeting courses as well um, so that we can, you know, try to make sure that like our students can be as successful as possible, you know, because I know for me, for instance, you know, if you'd have taken me back when I was eating $1.25 burritos and been like, here, we'll give you access into a $50,000 a year job. And I had no idea about like financial planning or anything. I would have mm. just been like, woo, money, you know, I just spend it. <laughs> so we want people to like help people be as resourceful as possible with it. Right, mm -hmm. right. Um, and the partners that you're mentioning are like just really massive names. Yes. And uh, large companies that are, are known nationwide, mm -hmm. too. Mm -hmm. How in the world did you get all these meetings and make all these partnerships and connections? Because your nonprofit <laughs> was, I mean, brand new. And it's not like you have uh, 20 years in the industry, you know. How did that and, happen? Again, partially probably stubbornness. <laughs> Wouldn't take no for an answer. <laughs> well, it's just like, I, I, I think the one here, thing that I hear like echoed more than anything from my board members, from people that I meet, from, you know, even we had to do this documentary shooting the other day even, is like everyone's just like, you're obviously very passionate about mm. what you do, you know? So um, I may not have like, I have no education in running a nonprofit. Honestly, before like, you know, I started this up, I had no idea what it took to run a nonprofit even. But, you know, Miranda and I were just like, a nonprofit makes the most sense, you know, because of what we want to do mm -hmm. and the way that we want to go about it. And then through that, it's just been a lot of like, especially over the last year, like once we won our first grant, um, it was like a crash course in nonprofit management, you know. Um, and I've been so grateful to learn that way. But like, it's literally just been me going out to employers and, and finding the right people to talk to, you know, or word of mouth through someone else, introducing me to someone else and just approaching them and saying like, hey, I have this idea, I've got this school, whatever it may be, like, we want to teach people this. And I think it's just a matter of also like the desperation for employers to get employees that everyone is just in, also the minority aspect of it, um, that they're just like, sign me up, you know, um, almost immediately, you know, so um, it hasn't been that hard, you know, Okay. <laughs> but it's been a lot of just like motivation and passion on my part just to like, you know, reach out to these different employers all over. And uh, the two arguably hardest ones probably would have been like Jack Henry and O'Reilly, okay. because since they're like big corporate businesses, it took about a year and a half of talking to them wow. uh, to get the requirement for like the Trish for four-year degree because um, like when they started their internship programs or the apprenticeship programs they were requiring you to be a college uh, graduate okay but throughout that amount of time like I've been able to keep continuously talking to them talking about like tailoring our curriculum to their needs you know um, and then showing like our first students graduating and actually like after about a year and a half of talking to them, the week of graduation of our first students, both companies got back to me and said, we're going to drop those requirements for Geek Foundation students. And wow. that was one of the, one of the big, I mean, that was a pretty awesome week already because I was getting ready to see my students graduate, but then also being able to know that we have those solid, you know, businesses that we can work with you. Mm-hmm. It sounds like, you know, part of it was that you really, like, hit the nail on the head of the need. Yeah. 
Um, and, you know, you think about the requirement of a four-year degree. That takes four years to build a graduate versus six months for your program. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, part of a lot of that, too, is that, like, I will always tell people, like, if you're wanting to go to school to be a teacher or a doctor mm-hmm. or, um, you know, those things, like, definitely go to college. Also, within tech, if you're wanting to go into data sciences or, like, bigger things like machine learning, you know, or uh, deep learning, or maybe even just some fields of, of artificial intelligence, go to college, because you're gonna need like the calculus and all that stuff, you know. But for like jobs like web developers and IT and, you know, even, um, you know, different types of programming languages, you if you can just start with the basics, mm-hmm. you can teach yourself because that's what tech really is. Like you're just continuously teaching yourself hmm. new things because languages are developing all of the time. I mean, like, you know, we started off with like HTML1, but we're on like five now, you know, and so developers have to continuously keep learning so they can stay up to date with like the new updates that are made and all that stuff. Um, so like I always tell my students when they're coming in, like, you can start here, like start with this education, but like keep learning new things and keep moving up. Like you could also like get the education that you need from the Geek Foundation and start working here locally, which is great and what we want people to do. But you can also like work here or live here and work remotely for somewhere in Silicon Valley and make a hundred thousand a year, you know, and all that money is just going back into our economy. So it's kind of, you know, workforce development, but also pro- personal development and and economic development all at the same time, you know, because there's just continuous opportunities to keep learning. A good example that I give is uh, a guy who's a few years younger than me posted his, like, salary upon retiring uh, last year, I believe it was. Um, And he started as a web developer making $50,000 a year and then moved up, you know, like little by little in salary over 10 years but went into cloud computing, got a job for Amazon Web Services, and (laughs) retired making half a million dollars a year. Oh my gosh, at what age? (laughs) Yeah, he's like a few years younger than me. I think he's like 35 maybe or something. So I'm like, I always tell people that I'm like, this is a good reason why not to just like learn this and stop here, you know, like keep learning new things. And the idea is eventually that the Geek Foundation becomes a bigger school as well, and we can have like multiple different areas of education that you can take too. Okay. Mm-hmm. Are other people doing similar uh, programs like this around the country? No, nobody is doing exactly what we're doing okay. in the sense also that it's free. So some of the motivation too that I had was some of that stubbornness too came from like whenever Girls Who Code and Women Who Code popped up, mm-hmm. a lot of online boot camps started popping up as well. You'd find them all over the internet, uh, you know, things that do like online education, you know, for uh, front end or full stack web developers. But it was like ten, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000, you know, wow. or something. And I'm like, yeah, even me, I would love to do something like that, but I can't afford that, you know? And if they, even if they do like deferred tuition, then once you graduate, you're paying back all of that and some interest, you know? So I'm like, how can people ever <laughs> like have opportunities if, there's always like a paywall, you know, that they have to meet that they can't afford, you know. Um, so, you know, kind of really watching all of those things, you know, helped a lot to develop out what we're doing and the way that we do it. And there is no one else that I've seen across the world even that does the type of classes that we do 
with the target demographics that we do and also for free Mm -hmm. as well. So I know that uh, diversity and inclusion is something that, you know, people across the country are talking about as something very important in our community. There's a lot of conversations surrounding this. Um, Other than just like the moral reasons of like why inclusiveness is important, like why does it matter who is developing your website or developing a a technological product? Does it matter your skin tone? No, well, yes, um, especially like in newer things that we have right now with like facial recognition, you know, software, Uh um, diversity in tech matters a lot, actually, um, because like, especially, like I said, in areas of facial, like facial recognition, for example, like, um, I was reading a story recently about, you know, black people were feeling frustrated because those like hand, the washing stations, aren't being able to recognize black people's hands. The automatic yep. hand. Yep. Wow. Yeah. So, or, um, you know, uh, co- uh, police forces are trying to use facial recognition. They were having, there's some news stories out, you know, they're circulating around about how they're having a hard time with women's faces hmm. because there's no, there's not really any women in the field that are developing hmm. out the programs. So, you know, it's just, yes, there's a, there's a lot of ways that, like, having diversity in tech is really important, you know, but I think also the diversity inclusion conversation matters so much because like, I feel like it's a really great conversation to have and I'm so glad that everyone is talking about it, but we have to be talking about it in the sense that like there has to be educational opportunities that can lead into workforce opportunities because if they if we can't change the dynamic in the workforce through the diversity, then you don't have true diversity, you know? Like, um, you know, so like if we can get people, for example, if we can get people into well-paying jobs, you know, in the, in the tech center, you know, and we think about like working in areas like Grant Beach where we're located out of, right? Um, you get people into well-paying jobs in tech, you know, making 50, 60, 70,000 a year, then those people have money to put into their homes and fix their homes up. And then we have a way to like, you know, help those neighborhoods grow and excel without gentrification, you know? Um, And then through that, or we have, you know, families moving to the South side and then Springfield actually becomes equitable without a North and a South, you know, that we talk so much about because more people are into well-paying jobs and you have less disparity, you know, there. You're casting a really big vision for what the Geek Foundation can do um i guess like how do you need partners to like come alongside you and support you within that vision what are the things that springfield needs to build up as far as infrastructure or like funding opportunities to make this a reality um you know i've i've found that because what we do is workforce development and especially with workforce development in the tech industry that there's been a lot of support for funding for partnerships for employment mm-hmm. you know all those things um i definitely think you know learning a little bit more about the nonprofit culture and stuff it is a struggle you know for nonprofits especially locally to get the funding that they need all the time you know because it can be very competitive is what i've learned mm-hmm. um because we're such like a a, a niche thing kind of in what we do you know it puts us in a different category because we are a traditional nonprofit, but we're kind of also more like a tech company and an educational environment mm-hmm. so it's it's kind of a weird you know mix but um 
you know, we definitely, you know, need more, you know, opportunities for employment, of course, you know, so um, employers being able to work with us is a great, a great resource, you know, and also, you know, thinking about expansion, you know, at some point as well and expanding outside the Springfield area. So connections, you know, with areas, you know, surrounding here has been great. You know, we're looking into uh, trying to expand our classes into the Joplin area, um, eventually Joplin, Carthage, Web City, you know, so we have an employer who just uh, onboarded with us recently that has uh, their main office in Joplin, but also has an office here in Springfield that they just opened up, you know, so it's making those kind of connections, you know, with employers to think about expansion too, you know, Bentonville, Arkansas would be an area we would want to look at eventually as well, because uh, the Geek Foundation will always have our headquarters here, but I would like this organization to eventually be like a worldwide you know, organization where people could get access to education anywhere that they needed, you know, and, and to be able to come into these jobs. Um, so yeah, we have a big vision, but it's like high demand, you know, too. So that mm. kind of really helps out a lot, you know, because employers all over the world are struggling to find the skilled people that they need for these jobs, you know, so, um, word of mouth, you know, talking more about what we're doing, getting us out there, you know, and then um, connecting us with funding resources or sponsors even. So we have some students, for example, that didn't meet the requirements um, of our last uh, second round of students who are just now getting to graduate. Well, that was a partnership with the Missouri Career Center and they paid for our students through CARES Act funding, but they had um, income requirements that were for everyone across the board, okay. you know, so um, some students didn't make it through, but we had um, partners that wanted to fund those students to go through, you know, so um, definitely like we could use help with, you know, sponsors you know, that want to pay for students to come through our classes or wanted to support the work that we're doing. We would love to get back to doing our kids' classes again, which were put on hold completely through COVID, you know, because everything shut down, you know, so those also cost money, you know, and be great to have sponsors that could, you know, help us get our kids' classes back up and going. Um, so really, it's kind of, it's just those kinds of areas that we could really use a lot more support. Mm -hmm. So how long did it take you uh, to pay yourself? For this work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was working for a long time from from home and also, you know, not being paid, just doing this as a passion project, you know, mm. until last year, actually, through our first grant. And wow. even then it was, you know, just a little bit at a time, you know, because it wasn't like we had a really great grant opportunity with uh, Community Foundation of the Ozarks. Okay. Uh, we won our first grant with them. It's the first grant we ever applied for, which is pretty incredible. Um, and without having like a formal grant writer, it was just me and Miranda putting together the verbiage for that, having no idea what grant writing looks like, you know, but just being like, okay, this is what we're doing. We're just going to write that out and hopefully this works, you know, but we were able to partner with the Drew Lewis Foundation and with Pitt Technology Group. It was a collective impact grant and we won. <laughs> so that was pretty incredible, you know, receiving our first um, check for a grant but it also happened right as COVID hit. So it was like me for months just, you know, being like, okay, I, you know, I'm still all in with this and I'm just really passionate about it, but we're going to figure out how to make this work, you know, because the idea was to do two six-month IT classes, which would have to be in person. Mm -hmm. And with COVID hitting, there was no way that was going to happen. Everything was closed down for a few months, you know, even. So um, 
I was like, how am I going to make this work? So I wound up deciding to expedite a web development class, which was taught online, and then do the IT class in person. So both classes started on the same day and ended on the same day and graduated on the same day, you know? Um, so it's been, it's been pretty incredible. But yeah, I mean, really just through the newer uh, partnership with the Missouri Job Center as well, you know, I was able to kind of start like making a living wage, you know, mm. through that. Um, but yeah, it's been years, years and years and years of just doing this because that's what I love to do, mm-hmm. you know. How did it feel to, to get your first paycheck? Um, I imagine that there was some sort of like felt maybe more real perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely felt more real. But again, like at the same time, like it's a, I'm so busy all the time. Like, and I keep myself so busy all the time that I don't really like think about it all that often either. Um, But yeah, I mean, having not been able to work in so long, you know, and thinking like I wasn't ever going to be able to work a traditional job like that again, you know, after a medical diagnosis, I, you know, yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty rewarding, but it'll be really, I think even more rewarding than like me being able to do this, like, and get paid. I think it'll be even more rewarding for me to be able to have other people be a part of this as well. To be able to provide those opportunities for employment to other people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, there's a lot of things that we have in development that we're going to be announcing through this year that I'm really excited about that are going to be even more great opportunities for students that come through and, um, you know, just things that we'll be doing to develop out the Geek Foundation more. Mm-hmm. Just trying to recruit more geeks, essentially. <laughs> I need more geeky people around me. <laughs> um, when you think about your your personal journey and all the things that you've gone through to, you know, to be here in this place and doing the work, like you're making it happen, people are graduating, you're connected with employers, you're helping create jobs. I mean, like when you reflect on your journey, what kind of stands out to you? You know, I, I to be honest, like I don't, I haven't thought about it as much because I, I tend to be kind of a very private person and somebody mm. who doesn't try to like, you know, like I, I'm always trying to think about everybody else, you know. But yes, I have, I definitely have those moments of time, you know, especially through this last year when things have been, you know, crazy and busy and stuff. Like I remember after the first round of students graduated where I was just like, I need a couple days just to process the amount of stuff I've been able to accomplish in such a short amount of time, you know? Um, So I do have, yeah, those moments where I'm just like, okay, I need to like pat myself on the back every now and then, you know, and, and take a break and, you know, think about everything that has happened, you know, over the last year. Um, so it's, it's been such an incredibly rewarding, it's, it's, it's hard to explain it other than that. It's, it's incredible. It's just incredible, you know, to be able to see people graduate, come through the program, you know, get to be a part of this, get to learn the things that I've learned, you know, like I said, like learning about nonprofit management, you know, and, and getting to work with the people that I get to work with and talk to every day, you know, has been, yeah, to, so to think about where I've come from and where I am now, you know, like every now and then, yes, I'll have a moment 
come up where I'm just like, wow, like I'm a completely different person, you know, than Mm. I was. And that took maybe that stubbornness and, you know, strength. And I can see that it's, it's good to give, you know, people uh, an awareness, you know, of where like you're coming from, you know, like talking about like domestic violence, you know, or something like that. Like there may not be a lot of, a lot of ways for, you know, people in those situations to know that there's a way out, you know? Um, So it's important to like kind of have these conversations every now and then about what you've experienced and what you've been through so that people can relate and they can know that there's another, another way out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Thanks so much for sharing, Krista. You're welcome. Thank Keep you for staying me stubborn, here. right? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. You can subscribe to No Ceiling wherever you find your podcasts or visit sbj.net forward slash no ceiling. This show is produced by AdSmith Studio with special thanks to Dustin Henderson and Joe Stearns. Photography and design by SBJ's Mackenzie Robinson. American National is the show's presenting sponsor with support from Great Southern Bank. I'm Christine Temple, and this is No Ceiling.